listening to The Journey Podcast. The Journey is a college and young adult ministry of South Crest Baptist Church. We hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Amen. You can have a seat. All right, media team, I'm going to throw a curveball at you. I'll throw it slow, though, so you can hit it. If y'all can, I'm going to ask you guys to cue up the song Staying Alive by the Bee Gees, all right? And the, specifically the version that's from Saturday Night Fever soundtrack. That's very important, all right? I forgot to tell y'all beforehand, Staying Alive by the Bee Gees. Um, I, when you get there, when you find it, you can just start playing it. Uh, I'll be ready. Um, but as I was listening to this song, um, if it, will the church let us stream that on the Wi-Fi? Is it like blocked or something? It'd be funny. Um, I was listening to this song earlier this morning, and uh, it, it just, it reminded me of spring semester, those last couple weeks um, before you get done. So are we, we almost there? The uh, Saturday Night Fever. <laughs> or really any, really any version will work if we're just staying alive. Do what? You got to queue up anyway? Okay. Whenever y'all are ready. And I know this is a Baptist church, but if, man, if your hips start kind of swaying, just, just go with it, you know? Like, don't, don't fight it. Let me turn up a little bit. There we go. I got the, I got the lyrics queued up right here. I see you, Natalie. Natalie, she's all right. Anybody else? Bust some moves. Just, just. This is the 70s version of Shake It Off, okay? This is okay. It's a safe place. The New York Times effect on man. Feel the city breaking and everybody's shaking and staying alive. There we go. Ah, 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 staying alive. Y'all know I could get up that high, could you? Ah, 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 staying alive. All right, y'all can cut it. No one needs to. End. There we go. Who did that? I love that. Someone's getting up there. Good job, Cable. Did y'all kind of feel that way right now? You're just trying to stay alive? Just kind of surviving? Hey, I never, I never looked at these lyrics. Like, I've always just kind of like, you know what I mean? That's what I just do, and, and nobody notices. But uh, what I found out, unfortunately, is the staying alive lyrics. I don't want to take your joy away. They're actually kind of sad lyrics, all right? They're like, um, whether you're a brother or whether you're a mother, staying alive, staying alive. <laughs> Feel the city breaking and everybody's shaking. Staying alive, staying alive. Ah, ah, ah. Okay, I'll stop. I'll stop. <laughs> oh my God, stop. <laughs> Y'all are too easily entertained. Y'all are deranged or something. That's ridiculous. Um, Maddox, I know you're going to want me to sing next week, but I, I don't think I can. I can't do it all, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, got to ease into this fame I just established. Um, <laughs> here's, here's what's interesting. Really kind of peppy song, high energy song, the 70s version of uh, Shake It Off, I guess. Um, but here, here's, here's the next lyric. So I want you to hear this. Well, now I'm not going to sing it. I'm done. Uh, well, now I get low and I get high. And if I can't get either, I really try. Got the wings of heaven on my shoes. I'm a dancing man. I just can't lose. You know, it's all right. It's okay. 
I'll live to see another day. We can try to understand the New York Times effect on man. I read some history. This is about the struggle of people living in New York at the time, the, the grind of life, kind of feeling like, man, I'm not getting much traction, but I'm, I'm just trying to survive, trying to stay alive. And, and here's very interesting lyrics, um, maybe kind of a bridge type thing of the song. It says, life going nowhere, somebody help me, somebody help me. Life going nowhere, somebody help me. Yeah, I'm staying alive. You know what? I, I, was, I was asking myself the question just about, I really hope that they found out, the Bee Gees, that there was more to life, or at least somebody there. That there's more to life than just trying to survive and stay alive. And even more so, kind of translate this into our lives, I hope for you that you follow Jesus and you say that you're a Christian. I hope that there is more to life than, for you than just trying to survive, than just trying to make it. Y'all hear me? Amen. See where I'm going with this? And so because I hope that, and I'm going to trust the majority head nods in the room that you're hoping that as well, I want to ask the question tonight, man, kind of by way of another question, how, how do we, um, how do we do more than just survive in the Christian life? And I think what that leads me to is even a bigger question, um, is how do we know what God's will is for our life, especially how do we know what God's working? How do we posture ourselves whenever we're going through a stressful, tough time, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? How do we know that? Because I don't know about you, when, when life is going great, I may kind of wonder in my mind what's next or what God's doing, but I think you are tracking with this reality. When, when life is hard and stressful, I ask that question a lot more. Y'all with me on that? Like, God, what are you doing? Like, what's next? I don't get the purpose of what I'm doing right now. How does this relate to what you want for me next? Y'all tracking with that? And so really that's what I'm getting down into is, is life more than life going nowhere? <laughs> Somebody help me. And I, I think it is. So if y'all can turn to Psalm 25, I believe David answers this question very well. Stay alive. Last one, I promise. <laughs> Just want to throw you guys off. <laughs> So in Psalm 25, um, David is actually finding himself in a lot of situations, literally, where he's trying to stay alive because he's people trying to uh, kill him. And so um, what we can know from this context of the psalm before we even read, as we read through it, um, David is again in kind of a troublesome spot. I think he's asking questions sort of like, God, can you show me what you're doing? Can you kind of lead me through this time of difficulty and distress? And I think a modern version of this question where we're not facing a lot of realistic physical dangers, most of us are not, some of us are maybe, is God, what, what's your will for my life? What, what are you doing? What are you accomplishing? So starting in verse one, David says, to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. Oh, my God, and you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none who wait for you will be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. So again, I pointed this out last week. I want you to notice the Bible wants to show this over and over and over again is that David's assumption is, I'm in trouble, therefore I go to God. <laughs> 
I'm in trouble, therefore I go to said friend. No, not first. His inclination over and over and over again. I think that's why he's so emotional in the Psalms because instead of venting to someone else first, he just goes ahead and vents to God. God already knows what's in his heart. God already knows what's in his mind. He might as well say it and pray it. And that's what he's doing. God, I lift up my soul to you. I'm entrusting to you, God. My very soul, my very life is in your hands. So please, God, I think the sentiment could be like, God, please don't let me down. Please don't let me down right now. It doesn't feel like, I don't think you're letting me down. I don't think that you're there. I'm not really sure what you're doing. Protect me from my enemies. Now, some of you may remember, I said, I think I said this past two weeks, is that, again, also in modern day, a lot of us do not have a physical enemy that's trying to harm us. And so a pastor friend of mine a few years ago helped me, said one thing we can do is, we can ask what is what are enemies that do exist for real at, at all times, and it is the enemy himself. It, it's Satan. And I don't want you to picture like Satan's always right there next to you trying to mess with you. I don't think that's a good picture because Christians have the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit can just bam, like get out of here anytime he wants. But sometimes I think there's little lies that Satan tries to introduce to us that we start to believe. And so that's how I want you to, to, to maybe read the Psalms. Just thinking like, maybe there's some spiritual warfare, just some darkness you're going through. And then even in that place, there's some dark depression, dark anxiety, whatever it is, and God's saying to us through his word via David, hey, lift up your soul to God. And then he says this. This is, I think he's saying, tell me what's going on. What are you doing? In verse four, he says, make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day Long, saying, guide me, Lord. Show, show me what your will and plan is for my life. How many of you have ever asked that? God, like, what's next? It's a good thing to ask. Some very uncurious people in this room. You're just kind of like, like, through life. <laughs> Maybe encourage you, like, it's good to ask that. Let's, let's start tonight, all right? Unless <laughs> you didn't answer your hand. It's good to ask that. God, what are you doing? If, you're, if we're not asking that, what we're saying to God is we think that life is all in our hands, <laughs> right? We're being self-sufficient. It's a good thing for David to ask that. God, make me to know what you're doing. I'm walking. I don't see a path. Can you shine some light on what you're doing? That's what he's asking. And this is so key, friends. Like when we get here, when we get to this place where we don't know what God's doing, we, we freak out, don't we? Right, like we, we so easily freak out and, or, we, or we kind of recluse and, and turn inward on ourselves and, and keep everyone out. But these are good questions to ask and please catch what David does next because I think what David does next is he's through prayer and confession and acknowledgement to God, what he's gonna do is he's going to go through some things and acknowledge some things that just might be hindrances for him and knowing what God's will is. They just might be hindrances for him and able and that are disabling him from fully, in the modern context for us, fully following the Lord, fully following Jesus. And so here's what he says. Remember your mercy, O Lord, in verse six, and your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth, 
or my transgressions, according to your steadfast love, remember me for the sake of your goodness. Oh, Lord. I think David's acknowledging God with all the sin in my life. He even says from his youth, past, present, we know future too. Lord, please don't remember those sins. <laughs> Have mercy on me. I think what David is getting at, friends, is not that said sin must have led to this situation, but I think what he's wanting to do is for God to search him out and see, hey, you know what? I want, if there's sin in my life that's maybe contributing to my situation, I, I wanna get that out. I wanna to confess it. I want you to have mercy on me. I wanna be forgiven. Are y'all tracking with that? Have you ever been in a situation where you're like, it's not all my sin, but definitely some of my sin got me here, right? Ever felt that way? I think this is what David is acknowledging. I think David um, was probably thinking about Psalm 103, verse 12. He, he wrote this as well. He, he says, as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. He's talking about God's love and mercy. He had that in his mind. And so he's like, I don't know exactly what your will is, exactly what you're doing right now, but let's, let's talk about maybe some things that I'm doing. And God, please forgive me. As far as the east is from the rest, remove this from me. If it's hindering me from being dialed in to what your will is for me. Verse eight, good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. Here's the reality, friends, and this is what blows my mind about God. This should blow your mind. Is it true that we are responsible for our sin and our ever-present sin definitely has real consequences. And those consequences can be even a hindrance in our relationship with God. They can cause, in, in terms of, I don't know why God does it, and sometimes he doesn't. There's times where it's like God withdraws, not his real, real presence, but an affirmation of his presence. Like when we feel like God isn't there, it's not that he's not there. It's sometimes he, we are in such a, a bind. We've gotten ourselves in such a mess. He removes his affirmation from us sometimes to get us to wake up. Like something's not right. Because he knows we won't turn to him if he just lets everything be fine and good and dandy. And that reality is so true. Our sin has consequences. But here's what just blows my mind about God. Verse 8. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. We're sinners. We don't deserve it. But so often he leads us anyway. So often we're walking the exact wrong way and he picks us up and says, no, come over here. I know you don't even want it, but come over here. And that's amazing grace, guys. That's why the song exists. That's what makes it amazing. It's undeserved. Does that blow your mind? Like, we, we should, it should only be the first truth. That, like, yep, you're sin has consequences and if, if you're sin, good luck. But God is so merciful and gracious that he says, even though you're a sinner, I'm still gonna instruct you. I'm gonna give you wisdom and insight. And I think what he does when, he, when he's leading us well, which he always leads well when we're listening well, is verse nine. <clears throat> He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. David recognizes the importance of being humble if we want to be led and taught by God 
his will and his way. And so here, here's a truth I want you to lean into. God leads the humble. And if that's true, the opposite is also true. The prideful will not be very led by God. <laughs> if you are determined to have a self-sufficiency, if you are determined to try to always fix your problems, if you are the center of your universe, if everything about you from morning to whenever you go to bed at night, or let's be real, some of you aren't going to bed till 1 a.m., 2 a.m., so early in the morning, morning to morning, and from rising to setting of the sun, it's all about you, you're not humble. And what David is able to do in God's leadership is he's able to humble himself, just like First Peter says, under the mighty hand of God. And when, when David is in that place, you know what humility basically is in one word? Dependence. Humility is dependence. You're like, hey, Cole, no, no, you don't understand. I've tried depending on God, but I can't trust him because he, he let this happen. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's, that's pride because what you're saying is that you're smarter than the almighty omniscient God <laughs> and that you knew the, the better way. God leads the humble in what is right and teaches his way. Did you ever humble his way? Have you ever asked, why does, why does he need to teach us? Why do you need to be taught? Why do I need to be taught? Because <laughs> we're dumb. <laughs> I didn't say that. Man, that's a better answer. No. We need, when we need to be taught something, it's because we don't know said thing, right? And I'll tell you, on the last year of my 20s, 29, Man, the 20s are fun. <laughs> They're so fun. Like, man, I'm, I'm excited for all that it's gonna be for you. Hard, too. You like, get that first job, and you're like, oh, great, this, this is what I was looking for, awesome. And then you gotta reevaluate, what is life really about, <laughs> all right? <laughs> but it's so fun. I don't care if you're single, married, or whatever you're doing. It's so fun. But you know what I learned in my 20s? that I don't know what I don't know. <laughs> so like there's a lot that I don't know that I, I know I don't know that. And then there's even more stuff that's like I don't even know that I don't know it. Make sense? No, not really. We'll talk about it later. It'd be like, bro, that there's a gorilla behind that door when you walk out and you don't, and, and, and you don't, but you don't even know it. <laughs> and so you don't know what you don't know. Like you, you know, hey man, there's, there's some things out there, but you, there's a gorilla out there and you don't even know it. And you walk out, that thing just mauls you to death, all right? That's really vivid, right? That's like you don't know what you don't know. There are things coming for you and they're gonna get you. And you have no idea. That's what it means. It's not only bad things. There's good things that you don't know what you don't know. Why did I tell you that? As how many, how many times have I heard the question and how many times have I asked the question? 
that what's God's will for my life? Do I ask that question? What's God's will for my life? And so what, what we do, friends, is that our whole world is basically you're saying, hey, God, what's your plan for me, 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 me? I, 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 I. That's, your prayers have so many personal pronouns, it's, right? <laughs> and I think what the right question is, what's God's life for my will? Let me turn that around because some of you are like, what does that mean? AKA, how does the presence and power and life-giving life giving presence of Jesus within us, how does the life of God in us inform our will? How does it transform the way that we think and the way that we live? Like we're asking, like, what's your plan for me? And, and Jesus is like, to glorify my name. That's why I saved you. I saved you so that you would be sent. I came into your life. I gave you grace so that you might give me glory. So it's not what's God's will for my life. It's what's God's life for my will. How does the invading, amazing, beautiful power and presence of Jesus in your life change you? That's the right question. So that as you're following Jesus, you're not worried about all these so-called ambiguous different roads and paths that you can go on. But as you follow him, you let God move steering ships. And if your motives are right and you're thinking biblically, like praise God, that's where you're gonna end up. It's not, it's not, a, it's not a magic trick. I ended up here by first going to a place that God only had for a very, very short time. I've known I wanted to do college ministry for years. And I just put before God my heart's desires. And before I came here, I had to do something that were, were, it wasn't my heart's desire at all. I wasn't enjoying it at all. And finally, he, he brought me here. And it was through him graciously humbling me and showing me his way and what was right. Let's go to verse 10. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. So I have a big question for you. Verse 10 says that keeping God's testimonies, i.e. you're obeying, obeying his word, leads to an experience, or maybe I could say a greater experience, of God's steadfast love and faithfulness. So, God's testimonies, another synonym of that is God's word. We have it in fullness today. It's done, it's completed, it's been written. If that's true, if obeying it and keeping it is just somehow key to experiencing all of God's steadfast love and faithfulness for us, what's so good about God's word? Isn't that fair to ask? Your word, that's it? What's so good about it? Why does God's word seem to be the key to living the life that God has for us? And I have an answer for you. The answer is in scripture. Y'all turn to Psalm 19, verse seven. A few chapters back. Psalm 19, verse seven. What is so good about God's word? Psalm 19, verse seven. The law of the Lord is perfect. Reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Man, I don't know about you guys, but, but where perfection is available, I want to be in that space. <laughs> like, I want that. 
You want perfect. You're, you're wired for it. That's why you that love Jesus so much and have this passion overflowing, it's, it's because in him you see perfection. You see bliss. You see ultimacy. It's like, this is it. This, he is my greatest pleasure and purpose. And he's proven that he is over and over and over again. You're wired to long for perfection. And God has said, I've given it to you via my word. And so a lot of us, you want to know what God's will is for your life? His will is that you read this and obey it. That's his will. He's not a genie in the bottle that we go to only when times are tough or only when we want things for guidance. Rather, our life is in his hands. Like Our life is subject to his Will And his will is that we might know him, we might worship him, we might follow him and obey him. And we do that best with an open Bible and an attentive heart. That's what God's will is for your life. And some of you, that drives you crazy because you're like, but, 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 everybody's asking me what I want to do. And I know, not everybody's on the same page. Don't let men's influence that gummit, I'll probably love them if I sat down for a meal. But don't let your parents influence you to follow their voice stronger than you follow God's voice. You may genuinely not know what you're supposed to do. And if David didn't know what he's not supposed to do in a certain time in his life, I think it's okay for you not to know what you're supposed to do. And so does God. Because a lot of us are worried about those things and our Bibles are closed all the time. And God's saying the first way that you do my will is to pick this up and read it and obey it and follow me. And so you know what a beautiful thing is? Some of you had no idea what you're supposed to do because God has been gracious enough not to reveal it to you because he's waiting for you to open this up and follow him in the most basic fundamental ways that you ever can. You want him to lead you to greater things, but you're not doing the simple things. He wants to draw you in, friends. He wants to draw you in. He wants to lead the humble in what is right. He wants you to posture yourselves in such a way that you're awakened to reality and you're saying, God, I know some things that I don't know and I don't know what I don't know. I got a lot to learn. Let me humble myself. Let me be this humble person in, in Psalm 25 and sit at your feet and just learn. That's what I want to do. I see that that's your will for my life. <laughs> Anybody here, by raise of hand, y'all grow up in some good Southern Baptist churches that like had revivals? You know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah, like, like I saw Martin's hand raised. You remember everybody talking about revival? You remember that? They'd say, you remember that revival back in 85? Like, man, the Lord was moving. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's, all, it's a big deal. And so, like, I don't, even, I don't even think we use that terminology as much anymore. But, like, a revival would basically be, you, it, it was like an, a, a D-now for adults. That's what it was. And you bring in a, a big, like, speaker who wouldn't, he would say things that he would never say if he were your pastor, like, in your face saying some intense things, and then leaves town. He's like, good luck, pastor. I said those hard things, and now you got to deal with it. Um, and, like, people are are always in tears coming down in the front, uh, big, big emotional songs. Everybody's hugging each other by the end. Like it's, it's a, an adult D now. That's what it is. Um, in revival, um, there have been good, a lot of good things about revival. But revival, what, you, what you're looking for is this, this a movement of God. 
You want him to stir up not only your heart, but everyone's heart so much that, man, the church just seems on fire and set, and set ablaze. And we're just ready to go change the world. And I love what J.I. Packer acknowledges. And he says, a lot of times we're experiencing revival, true revival, and we don't even know it. He's like, so we're experiencing revival because we're doing actually just the basic fundamental things that God has asked us to do. When we, and when before, we haven't. <laughs> Let me support this with scripture. The law of the Lord is perfect. Reviving the soul. You want revival in your life? Open this and read it and obey it. Amen? Like really, do y'all believe this? because the word of God says some things about itself and we need to believe that, okay? Like, it's saying you don't have revival in your life because you're not opening this and you're not reading it. And I kind of poked fun at old school revivals. I grew up at a church like that. But you know what happened? You know why revival happened? Now put all cards on the table because they would happen from Sunday to Friday. You know what people were doing every single day of the week? They were coming together and reading their Bible. They were coming together and reading the word and worshiping God together. Those are the most basic fundamental things that we do. And what I'm saying, friends, I'm so glad that you're here tonight because you took one step, just enough step of obedience to come here. I'm not saying that those that are not here are disobedient, but I'm saying that you are for sure because you recognize, I think something in you knows that this is the most important thing that I can be doing on a Tuesday night from 7.15 to 10.15. That the gathering of the body and the opening of God's word and the singing of worship and songs and being in fellowship with one another, those are the things that God has commanded to do, the most simplest forms of following him. That's God's will for your life. I think you've said that. And I hope it continues to affirm that over and over and over in your life. So read this and obey it. And some of you are like, obedience is hard. <laughs> Ever think that? Obedience is hard? Yeah, thanks for the honesty. <laughs> so is living in sin. That's hard. So is being disconnected from fellowship for months at a time. That's hard. <laughs> so is living in addiction. That's hard. but he leads the humble. <laughs> and so if we just humble ourselves before God and, and say, you, know, you can say it, obedience is hard. He's like, I know. <laughs> I'm gonna walk with you through it. If everything is hard, I'm gonna choose what's hard wisely, right? <laughs> obedience. Some say God's word is, is hard to read. Not 98% of it, it's pretty clear. Like what, what if you just did this, friends? If, that, if that's you, if that's in your heart, God's word is hard to read. Do you know there's so many easy things to read? Like you, you know exactly what to do. What if for the next month, you just chewed on one thing from God's word, one simple thing. Here's one from 1 Corinthians, flee sexual morality. What if you just chewed on that for a month? Fleeing sexual morality. 
Just chew on that. Don't just hear a sermon and then the next day you're listening to another podcast, another, like we're just kind of getting a little bit of the flavor off and never chewing the meat and never swallowing it. Focus on one thing for the next month. How about this, Matthew 28, make disciples. It's simple. Love your enemies. Love God. You go on, you know how many simple things there are in scripture to obey? Tell people about Jesus. Talk to that lost roommate, that lost family member. So God's word is hard to read. I'm like, not really. I think a lot of us, if we're right, like we can get things so quickly. And when we say God's word is hard to read, it's because what we want when we get in God's word is we want a quick hit. We don't want to be nourished. Because nourishing makes you slow down. It's like enjoying a fine, good meal. You have to slow down for a minute and enjoy it and take it in. And so when when we're talking about this, this is something where you're saying like, hey, I recognize God's offering a lifetime of soul-nourishing revival through his word, and I'm gonna sit and stay for a while so that I can experience that. Some people are are saying, hey, you know what, Cole? Like, I'm, I'm doing just fine without God's word, like, I never have to read it like I'm doing fine. Like, man, I'm, I'm surviving. I'm doing good. I'm solid. And it goes back to the, the original question, like, does God have more for us than that? <laughs> than just to stay alive? <laughs> than just to make it? Because without being in this, my friends, without letting him lead us in his humble way and making known to us his paths and walking closely with Jesus... You might survive, but you won't thrive. And so many of us are so content, friends, with survival when what God has called us to is revival. Y'all see that? Verse seven, God's word revives the soul. So I'm gonna ask the the band if they'll come up as they close us tonight. And and what I wanna put before you um, is just something very simple. I think if you go home or wherever you put your Bible, I think if this this just continues to happen, like it just stays there, I think end of the semester times, all, all that stuff like that. Um, I don't know how to reiterate it more. You hear this on Sundays from Brandon, our pastor David. You hear us saying this, friends, right? Y'all, y'all been here, you know this. We say all the time to get in the word, do we not? Like we say this, you know that like Lifeway doesn't pay us to say that, right? Like they're not like, and if you use this code, like you've never heard us say, like we don't get paid more to say that. We say it, friends, because I can boil down every single instance, every single conflict, every single person that sadly walked out and not come back, every single struggle internally or relationship or whatever it is, almost every single time if the question comes up, hey, how's your time been in the word? I'll just set it down. 
That, that's, that's the answer. The word's been closed. Because when you turn off God's voice and God stops speaking into your life, of course, of course you're not gonna experience revival and newness in life. You're, you're gonna be just trying to stay alive and, and most of us are gonna crumble pretty fast. Keep it closed, survival. Open it up, revival. It's your choice. Man, I, um, <laughs> earlier we played a, a joke on um, Drew Uhlenbach and he, he walked in and we tried to keep the door closed as he, as he walked in. And um, it had been really funny, you know, if he like started knocking it you're knocking on the door, and uh, because what, what Drew would eventually realize is he knows he, he wants to come in, right? Because he knows like, the, the party's happening inside, like it's not outside in the cold. By the way, why is it still cold on April 20th? This is so weird, like Lubbock, come on, wake up. Um, but he, he knows that there's a lot more good that would happen if he could just open that door and come inside. And he did, he forced open the door like a boss, he got it open. You know what's so crazy? God has basically put an open door of revival before us. And he just wants us to open it. That God's word is the door that we can choose to open or not to revival. And I just wanna put a question before you, friends. Will you open that door tonight? Will you begin to open that door? Will you come back from a season of wondering and open it again? And will you finish these last couple of weeks of your semester and into your summer, actually not on burnout with wheels screeching and engine on fire or whatever, but actually thriving through this time. Graduating seniors, high school and college, grad students, wherever you're at. Will you begin to form patterns in your life? Undergrad students, wherever you are, where this book is open, because you say, I don't wanna just barely make it. I don't wanna just survive, I wanna thrive. God has not called me to survival, but revival. If y'all can close your eyes, bow your heads, I wanna give you a few moments to just reflect on this. What is, what is God's word to you? Is it the key to revival in your life? Or is it just mere pages and leather binding? His word says that it revives your soul. And I just want you to ask him in humility, God, will you do that tonight? Will you revive my soul? We hope you are encouraged by today's podcast. If you'd like to learn more about The Journey, check us out on Instagram or Facebook at The Journey LBK. Thanks for listening.